Welcome to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. Artist Ken Butler has some very specific guidelines for his creations. What that means is that I'm using exclusively existing objects and transforming them. But Ken finds that what might seem practical to him can cause some alarm at airport security. Stay tuned for more on that story. But first, if you heard last month's episode, then you know that Destination DIY is now a part of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. October 15th is the start of something called Max Fun Week. Here's Maximum Fun founder Jesse Thorne to tell you a little bit more about it. Mark your calendars for a brand new thing, the first ever Max Fun Week is coming up, October 15th through 21st. Max Fun Week's all about celebrating the creativity and passion of our listeners. We'll have podcast crossovers, Q&As, behind-the-scenes tours, giveaways, and more. No fundraising, just awesome stuff for you. So tune in to your favorite Max Fun shows, tell a friend about Max Fun, and check out some new shows during Max Fun Week, October 15th through 21st. And in the spirit of Max Fun Week, I want to make sure you know about one of my favorite shows on the network. Hello, I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Can you force your girlfriend to listen to heavy metal music? Is a machine gun a robot? Is it okay to take coupons out of the garbage if you're Canadian? What should you do if your parrot attacks your husband? Can you prove that Crank 2 is a good movie? Only one man can decide. Judge John Hodgman. If you have a case for the judge's court, visit MaximumFun.org slash J.J. Ho. If you just want to listen in, find us on the web or free in iTunes. DIY means doing yourself. Sometimes I can do without help. DIY means I try to do it all by myself. La, la, la. To Ken Butler, everything is an instrument. And I do mean everything. Producer Daniel Gross has the story of Ken Butler's unique blend of music, visual art, and what the French call bricolage. When Ken Butler travels for work, he knows airport security will inspect his bag. It's been happening ever since the 1980s, which is understandable. He carries some weird stuff, like snow shovels, swords, large pieces of styrofoam, and an axe. Believe it or not, I actually carried the axe onto a plane as a carry-on at one point, years and years ago. It didn't last too long, but they came into the plane to get it. I mean, I'm tempted to maybe leave a $20 bill in there sometimes, so please don't disturb these too much. But it's got to be confusing because it appears to be something mysterious. The objects are transformed in their purpose, and they, they look a little threatening. Ken Butler doesn't look all that threatening. He's an artist and a musician, and he dresses like it, in glasses, Levi's, and zip-up hoodies. He'd have an easier time traveling if he just played ukulele or saxophone. But he doesn't restrict himself to the objects most of us see as instruments. He makes his own. After 9-11, I believe the next time I tried to fly, uh, there was a, a directive email Oh, the following items are no longer allowed on airplanes. Canes, golf clubs, tennis rackets, 
hockey sticks. As you know, so it was virtually an identical list to the things I used to make the hybrid instruments. It's fairly easy to recognize what objects might make a good stringed instrument. You know, I mean, the classic would be a tennis racket. It looks like a small little banjo. And so I'm one of those nutballs who decided to, in the early 80s, actually put strings on a tennis racket and, you know, really, really trick it out to be very playable. I caught up with Ken after he performed on his instruments at a contemporary art gallery in Berlin. He showed me one of his favorites. I am holding a small snow shovel, metal snow shovel, that I found in downtown New York in in the early 90s. I put three strings on it, three tuning pegs near the handle, and drilled three holes in the blade of the shovel and ran three guitar strings up. But due to the nature of the large, flat metal blade acting as a resonator, it has, you know... has some resonance. Ever since he was a kid, Ken was a tinkerer. As a kid, I built models of planes and cars in the 50s and 60s. And and so it was some of the finesse of the detail of a very small-scale axles and tiny wheels and gears and rewiring motors and soldering. Well, there are all these parts and then you assemble them. And so that's the, the, exactly what I'm doing. I'm finding the parts. Over the years, Ken picked up a bit of guitar and violin, but he focused most of his attention on art. He got a master's degree in painting, and only in his 30s did he discover a passion that combined both music and art. This was the 1980s, and he was living in Portland. The house he shared had a fireplace, so there was a rusty hatchet lying around. So I picked up the little hatchet. I immediately pulled it up under my chin as a small violin and thought, oh, that would be kind of a wacky sculpture. Somebody had given me an old broken half-size violin, and it happened to slide perfectly into a violin case. So I took the parts of the violin, the fingerboard, put the fingerboard onto the axe, glued it, and drilled a couple holes, and it's just room for two strings, and then used the chin rest on the blade. Uh, and I happened to have a contact microphone for my acoustic guitar, put the contact microphone on the, near the bridge of the violin, plugged it into my amplifier, and was, I, I have to say, rather astounded about how much it sounded like a lousy violin. That was the first of the hybrid instruments, and since then I've made over 400 of them, and uh, I exhibit them as sculpture, and then there's a group that I perform on regularly. You're tuned to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. As part of Max Fun Week, I'm going to be doing an Ask Me Anything on Reddit Monday, October 20th, starting at 4 p.m. Pacific time. 
If you're not on Reddit, don't worry about it. But if you are and you have some burning questions about what goes on behind the scenes at this show, or if you're thinking about starting your own podcast and you want to ask questions about that, I'm going to do my best to answer all your questions on October 20th from 4 to 5 p.m. So I'll see you on Reddit. Now, back to Daniel Gross and his story about musician and artist Ken Butler. Ken had found the raw materials for what's become his signature style of sculpture and performance. Objects that fuse junk with pieces of broken-down violins and cellos. Instruments that make both music and noise. It's different than a typical guitar amp, which uses a magnetic wound uh, pickup to, to amplify the strings. So the contact microphone, the whole body of the, anywhere on the body of the instrument is touch sensitive. And so the touching, scraping, grinding, tapping, banging. Redesigning designed objects taught Ken to appreciate accidents, like the accidental similarity between the body of a stringed instrument and the blade of a hatchet. There's a reason that guitarists sometimes describe their instrument as an axe. There's also a reason that children strum tennis rackets as if they're guitars. Ken started seeing these kinds of accidents everywhere. I was interested in the relationship that the human body had to a guitar, the sort of head, neck, torso kind of look without a concern for the acoustic properties of the object, more about the iconographic shape of that object. Sometimes the instruments, also by accident, even match his wardrobe. If you're wearing a pair of Levi's, the blade very conveniently slips into your pocket. So some of them are very Levi-specific. Ergonomic, the proportion of things and the, and the sort of practicality of these objects and how they fit on the human body and sort of fit. Ken started performing on his instruments starting in Portland in the 1980s. Soon, he moved to Brooklyn, and he tricked out his act, adding effects pedals to diversify his sound, and even a looper pedal so he could accompany himself. He traveled around the country and even overseas to show his instruments, hence his many run-ins with airport security. Decades later, he still plays regular gigs in New York. By living simply and keeping costs low, he supports himself by hosting workshops, performing often, and applying for occasional residencies. He's a bit amazed at the fact that he's never had a full-time job. These days, his performances are built of layers upon layers of his different instruments. They're a sonic experience and a spectacle. Ken stands on stage with the blade of a hatchet at his throat, or a rifle-shaped hockey stick jutting from his pocket. Sometimes the music is grating and complex, but even then, it manages to surprise you. Ken builds a philosophy to match his instruments. It's inspired more by theories of art than traditions of music. It's also thoroughly DIY. What's at the center of the whole concept is the, the idea of bricolage, which is a French concept, very difficult to translate in English. The, the closest translation would be using what is, in quotes, at hand, uh, repurposing, 
or tinkering, but tinkering in, in, in English has a slightly unserious connotation. You know, old Mr. Johnson's over there tinkering around in the basement. Well, excuse me, but that's how they invented the airplane. What that means is that I'm using exclusively existing objects and transforming them. Last year, when I spoke with Ken in Berlin, his work was part of an exhibition about technological art. It took place at the Y, a contemporary art gallery that looks like a whitewashed warehouse. We spoke in one of the gallery's cluttered side rooms, surrounded by tools, picture frames, and clothing scattered across tables and on the floor. Now we're in a room that's, that's full of junk. Is there anything in this room that you think would make a good instrument? You want to take a walk around? And we... Oh, I don't need to take a walk around because, drum roll, every single thing in here, with no exceptions, is an instrument. Can you name any object that's not an instrument? No, you can't. Because anything that you can vibrate, you can amplify. You can take an eyelash from a bumblebee and put it in a little alligator clip and put a contact microphone on the alligator clip, run it into a little preamp, and then through an amplifier, and you could adjust the EQ and the gain, etc., such that you could tweak that little thing and it would sound like a thunderstorm or an explosion. So there is no such thing as an object that's not playable. That's the smart-ass answer. He had a more serious answer, too. We were sitting next to a white mannequin, the kind that tailors use when sewing dresses. So I'm seeing right to my left here a dress form, a torso, headless torso. It would make a really great cello. It's about 30 inches. So if you put a cello neck on that, you would have the right proportions. Now, I, I poked around with that before you came in here, and it's, it's made of styrofoam. So would that oh, be a, a difficulty? Actually, e- even better. Styrofoam is a fantastic resonator. When you look at the world with Ken's eyes, you start seeing instruments everywhere. And you start hearing the music in everything. In fact, if you take a little sewing needle and jam it into the end of a piece of styrofoam, find a turntable, have a record that you don't mind scratching a little bit, and just let that needle rest on the record. You can hear the music through the styrofoam. Here's a bit of Polka by Frankie Yankovic, played through a styrofoam cup to take us out. Thanks for tuning in to Destination DIY. This month's episode was produced by Daniel Gross with some help from the Destination DIY production team. The team includes engineer Brian Kramer, editor Laura Haddon, producer Jamie Cuddy, intern Sasha Peters, and me, Julie Sabatier. If you want to see some pictures of Ken Butler's instruments, and I know that you do, visit our website, destinationdiy.org. You'll also find the kickoff to our new interview series. It's called Destination DIY Detours, where we take side trips with some of our favorite makers and thinkers. Gray Ann created the Destination DIY theme song. We get legal help from Cole Haver. Support for Destination DIY comes from Leanne Locker & Associates, crafting strategic arts and letters for good. More information is at leannlocker.com. 
And we couldn't do what we do without the support of our super awesome, fantastic listeners like Anne Stark. Take it away, Anne. Hello, this is Anne Stark from Portland, Oregon. The Destination DIY podcast is available pretty much any way you want it iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, you can always find them at DestinationDIY.org. You'll find photos, audio archives, and all kinds of web only content. All the details are at DestinationDIY.org. Also, the team dishes out DIY news and other findings via Twitter and Facebook. Just look for, you know it, Destination DIY. And don't forget, it's not too late to support the show just like I did. That felt really good. Just look for the Please Donate link on the website, DestinationDIY.org. Thanks for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.